Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor John Rasmussen. Grace, mercy, and peace to each and every one of you in the name of Jesus, and once again, Merry Christmas. Uh, So there's a theme in all of our readings today. I don't know if you picked up on it, but there is a key word in there. Uh, It's it's like a thread that goes through all three readings, and it's the word wisdom or the word wise. Uh, We see in the Old Testament reading, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, that you have uh, King Solomon, who is known for his wisdom, coming to God in his lack of wisdom and asking for wisdom, and God gives it to him richly. Uh, Then we have in uh, Ephesians, it's a little bit harder to find wisdom in there, but just one word, but Paul talks about the mystery of God's plan of salvation and how God has given us the wisdom and the insight through His Holy Spirit to be able to see that. And then, of course, in our gospel reading, we have Jesus, who is so wise at the age of 12 that He's in the temple teaching the teachers. And uh, that reading ends with Luke saying that Jesus continued to grow in wisdom. And so today, as we're still in this Christmas season, thinking about uh, the birth of Christ and and what it means to have Emmanuel, God, with us, I want to focus on that theme of godly wisdom and how that contrasts with the worldly wisdom that is so prevalent uh, in our age. So as we begin, I want you to think for a moment, uh, if you were lost in the woods for a week, and you could take one item with you, what item would that be? Can't take your iPhone, there's no cell service. Uh, What would you take? Maybe bug spray, maybe a compass, maybe a big bag of granola bars, uh, maybe, um, maybe a knife, what would you take? So I thought about this question this week. I thought I would take the, uh, the ultimate dad gift. If you don't know what to get dad for Christmas, just get him a Swiss Army knife, you know, one of those multi-tool uh, gifts. Uh, it's like the best gift ever because you're ready for anything, right? Uh, even if, I, if I'm not in the wilderness, I kind of like to have my Swiss Army knife in my pocket because who knows, you might need like a, either a Phillips screwdriver or a flathead screwdriver or a tweezers or a nail file. You've got everything, right? And, and so uh, if you're going to be in the wilderness for a week and you can bring one thing, I would say bring a Swiss Army knife because you've got that one tool that's going to be able to solve multiple problems for you rather than just a tool that solves one problem. And as we think about wisdom today, I want you to think about wisdom in that way, that wisdom is kind of like a multi-tool. It's this tool that gives you the ability to approach a variety of different difficult situations, knowing what to do in those situations. It's something that's going to help you to navigate the difficult contours of this life and the variety of problems that we face, problems that don't always have easy answers. Solomon Solomon definitely needed wisdom. Solomon was uh, newly the king. He had just become king. He was walking in pretty big steps, right? Uh, The steps of his father, David, who was one of the greatest kings of Israel. And so here, young Solomon has this task before him, and it is going to require a lot of wisdom because every day, Solomon's going to be faced with difficult problems, things that he doesn't know exactly how to respond to, and he will need that one single tool that will help him to encounter every difficulty he faces, and that would be the tool of wisdom. 
So he goes up uh, to Gibeon to offer sacrifices to the Lord, and, and as he goes to sleep that night, he has a dream. And in that dream, God says to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. It's a pretty open-ended request. I mean, how would you answer that question if God said, I'll give you anything, what do you want? Notice that Solomon picks the one thing that helps him face anything in life. He doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for his enemies' lives. He doesn't ask for length of days, but rather he asks for that one thing he needs. He asks for wisdom. And God gives it to him in abundance and even more uh, in return. You know, you and I, we're not King Solomon. We don't have a kingdom to rule over. We don't have that type of responsibility. But you and I, daily in our lives, we face difficulties. We face problems. We face perplexing situations that we just don't know exactly how to handle. And as we meet those difficulties, we can either respond with the worldly wisdom given to us from the the culture, or we can respond with godly wisdom with that wisdom that knows how to encounter those difficulties in a godly way. So, for example, you may be wondering, how do I handle a conflict with a friend or a family member? Or how do I approach the question of what I should do with my life as I approach high school graduation? Or maybe you're asking the question of how do I love my husband or my wife, especially when it may not be easy from time to time? Or if you are a parent, maybe you're asking questions like, how do I raise my kids? Do I buy my middle schooler an iPhone? You know, things like that difficult questions that we need to wrestle with on a daily basis. Perhaps in your work, uh, you're facing difficult questions as well. To those questions, we hear from Scripture that wisdom is principle. Wisdom is that one thing that you need. It says in Proverbs, this book written by Solomon, that blessed is the one who finds wisdom. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. You see how Scripture is pointing us to focus in on wisdom. It's telling us this is more important than anything you could ever treasure in this life is to have godly wisdom, and nothing you desire can compare to it. Or a chapter later in Proverbs, Solomon says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Wisdom is certainly something that we need, but do we have it? Is wisdom readily on tap in our culture? Is wisdom around us? Do we live in a wise age? I think we can all agree that that's not the case. Uh, I would say that we live in a foolish age that has this counterfeit wisdom. It's what the Apostle Paul called the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of this age that is destined to perish. Uh, There is a surplus of counterfeit wisdom around us that would really lead us in the wrong direction. It's a faulty tool. It's a faulty compass that the more we follow this wisdom of the world, the more lost we become and the more we harm ourselves and those around us. Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to man. There's, There's wisdom that seems right to us, but its end is the way of death. That, I would say, is the wisdom around us. 
Um, I would say that wisdom kind of comes to us through cultural authorities and very much in our, in our culture, the cultural authorities that we listen to uh, would be that of popular media. So we have singers and celebrities who through songs and through the stories that we listen to in movies and books and whatnot and television shows, those are all teaching us wisdom. Um, they're all teaching us how to respond to difficult situations. And oftentimes, that worldly wisdom is just reduced to these simple proverbs that people live by. Worldly proverbs like, you do you, or follow your heart, or live your truth, or it just is what it is, right? We've all heard those before. And those are those little pieces of cultural wisdom that really function like a faulty compass. They lead us in the wrong direction. You see, we need this godly wisdom in place of worldly wisdom because the truth is, is that godly wisdom is practical love. We know from Scripture that love is at the center of all things. God is love. Jesus said, I give you this commandment that you love one another. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You're nothing. But it also says that wisdom is the first most important thing. So how do these things come together? Scripture is not contradicting itself. I would say that wisdom is the most important thing because wisdom is practical love. It's one thing to say, I love you, to feel love for somebody, for your neighbor. But what are you going to do with that love? That love has to have a certain shape to it. It has to have a shape to it that allows that love to be beneficial to other people. Wisdom is kind of the box that shapes love. It, it makes love not just a feeling, but something practical and useful to another person. It's one thing to say, you know, I really love a friend of mine, but unless you are wise, you're not going to be able to love that person in practical ways that actually benefit them. And that is exactly what wisdom is. Wisdom is practical love for the benefit of of those around you. And we need that godly wisdom because if we don't have godly wisdom, not only do we suffer, but those who depend upon us suffer as well. Godly wisdom is such a deep need for us rather than worldly wisdom. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 contrasts the wisdom of the world, which he calls foolishness. He contrasts that with what he calls the wisdom of the cross. You see, in the Old Testament, the wisdom that you would have would be God's commandments, and that's still true for us as Christians. But as Christians, we have a keener, more uh, deeper wisdom, and that wisdom is what Paul calls the wisdom of the cross. And what that means is that you and me look at everything in this life, joyful situations and difficult situations and all the in-between, we look at every moment and every decision we have to make through the lens of the cross. In other words, what difference does it make for you and the difficult situation you have in your life that Christ died for you to reconcile you to God and rose from the dead so that you might have life forever? What difference does that make as you face a hard decision? Now, if you're looking at that hard decision from the wisdom of the world, you have limited resources and limited time. You know, eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we die. But if you are approaching that difficult decision with the wisdom of the cross, you're actually able to look at it through the lens of sacrifice, through the lens of letting go, of even dying to yourself that other good things might live. 
Or what difference does it make for the difficult decisions that you face on a daily basis that you have been baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus? If you died with Christ and you rose with Him and you're called to this pattern of daily dying and daily rising with Him, what difference does that make as you encounter the difficult decisions of this life? It makes a world of difference, actually. So let's think for a moment. I want you to think with me about the difference between godly wisdom and the wisdom um, of the world, the wisdom of this age and the wisdom of the cross in specific situations. So if you're a young person and you're thinking about, what am I going to do with my life? Everybody keeps asking me as I approach graduation, what are you going to do with your life? Um, I used to not like that question because I didn't know. (laughs) I just had to kind of make something up when people asked me because I didn't know. Uh, And maybe you don't know, and that's okay. But isn't it true that you need godly wisdom as you approach that question of what will I do with my life? Now, worldly wisdom would say you should do with your life whatever is going to benefit you the most, whatever will get you the most money and the most uh, popularity and the most pride and the most congratulations from people, right? You might think about After school, going to college or or finding work, you might think, according to worldly wisdom, what's going to be the best for me? That's worldly wisdom. The wisdom of the cross, rather, says, where am I going to grow the most in my faith? In fact, if you want to pick out a college, the best thing to do is first ask, where am I going to worship for those four years? That's probably the best question you could ask. It's even more important than your degree program. the, question, the first question you should ask according to the wisdom of the cross is, where can I serve other people? Where can I grow in knowledge so that my specific God-given gifts and talents can be used for the benefit of the world rather than just my own benefit? Do you see the difference? One focuses on me and the other focuses on the other. Or if you're a young person and you're approaching maybe the possibility of marriage someday, uh, maybe looking for that special somebody, Uh, Once again, the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the cross is critical. The wisdom of the world says, look for that person that's going to make you feel the best. Look for the person that just kind of checks all the boxes for you. But the wisdom of the cross says, which person will encourage me in my faith the most? Which person will help me grow in godliness and serve others? Look for that person, right? The wisdom of the world will say, you know what, I'm not complete until I have that person in my life, and I'm missing something until I do. That's foolishness. That's the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the cross says, you know what, because I'm in Christ, I'm already complete, and marriage is just an opportunity, if God gives it, to serve and to love another person as Christ loved me. Do you see the difference? The worldly wisdom is focused on me. Godly wisdom is focused on others. Or if you are married, perhaps you're going through a rough patch in your marriage. Every marriage goes through rough patches, even the best marriages. If you're going through that rough patch in marriage, you need to be very much aware of what's going on inside of you as you think about what's next. Worldly wisdom would say you need to do what makes you happy at any expense. Maybe you're thinking about that right now. You're thinking, I need to do what's going to make me happy. Or maybe you might believe this lie. This is worldly wisdom here. God would never, ever 
want me to be unhappy. But the wisdom of the cross says, you know what, Jesus remains faithful to me through thick and through thin. Jesus never breaks his vows to me, and so I will remain faithful to my vows even when it means difficulty and sacrifice. Yes, the wisdom of the cross says God might actually lead me and allow me to go through a time of sadness, a time of difficulty, a time of disappointment with my spouse. Jesus might lead me through a time where I'm the one trying and the other person isn't but I'll remain faithful because Christ remained faithful to me and I trust he'll see me through this. You see the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. One is all about me and my happiness. The other is all about sacrifice, laying down the life for another. I'm sure that many of you are facing difficulties in your work, right? And as you face those difficulties in your work, once again, you're faced with the option of godly wisdom versus the wisdom of the cross. The wisdom of the world would say to you, just go where the money is. Take the least path, the path of least resistance. But rather, um, godly wisdom, the wisdom of the cross, once again, is going to look at things through the lens of sacrifice, saying, I'm not going to necessarily go where the money is, but I'm going to go where I'm needed. I'm going to go where I'm called. I'm going to go where there is a human need, and my gifts and talents meet that need. So often we think of work in terms of personal fulfillment, and it's good to be fulfilled in our work, but what's more important is that we find a place to serve in the unique way that God has given us. Sometimes our work means that we're serving in a place that we'd rather not serve. But Jesus says the one who's faithful with little can be faithful with much. That's the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Or finally, just one more, parenting. Man, if anything tests your wisdom, it's parenting. Uh, as parents, you, you face difficult decisions from the moment your kids are born all the way even after you send them out of the house, right? There's this call for wisdom. The wisdom of the world says, do what makes your kids happy at any expense. Help them grow up to be successful at any expense. The wisdom of the world says, I could never let my kid sit the bench. The wisdom of the world says, you know, I would never let my kid sit the bench because they went to church instead of practice or a game. But the wisdom of the cross says, I will raise my children to know the one who is wisdom, Christ, at any expense. And it's actually better to set the bench because you missed practice on a Sunday if you're able to say, but I received Holy Communion instead, right? Because one is a treasure and one is something that fades. See, as, as parents, whether it be the, the, you know, the question of what type of technology we should put in our kids' hands or the question of, of how we encourage them in their gifts and their talents or how we discipline them, all those things go back to godly wisdom. We need the wisdom of the cross rather than the wisdom of the world. The good news about this wisdom is that it's actually not hard to find. We might think of wisdom as some kind of obscure, dark, mysterious thing that we have to find somewhere. It's something that we have to go out and, and, and find uh, that's kind of hidden under a stone somewhere. But the good thing about godly wisdom is that it's not hard to find because if you're a Christian, this wisdom already lives inside of you. Christ Jesus is God's wisdom. Wisdom isn't a thing or a body of knowledge. Wisdom is a person 
Wisdom is Christ, the wisdom of God made flesh, who has come to be your wisdom. And if you are in Christ, you are in God's wisdom. That wisdom has been given to you. Now, just because you're in Christ and the spirit of God's wisdom lives inside of you doesn't mean that you all of a sudden, boom, have all the easy answers to everything. No. As Christians, those who are in Christ, we have the wisdom of God, but we must exercise this wisdom and be trained in this wisdom. It's something like a muscle that we have to exercise. So as we conclude today, I want to hold out to you two things, one thing to ask for and one thing to seek for in this new year. The first thing we ask for is that we ask for wisdom. It says in James chapter 1 that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, God doesn't hold our past foolishness against us. And even if you're not wise, the first wise thing you can do is to ask God for wisdom. And God promises that he will give you wisdom. Now, this doesn't mean that when you ask for wisdom, all of a sudden your problems disappear and you don't have any hard decisions to make. No. It means that you have God's wisdom within difficult decisions. And part of wisdom is that sometimes you make a decision and you don't know if it was the right decision, but even if it wasn't, the wisdom of God is with you in the aftermath of that decision. Do you see that? We ask for that wisdom that will walk with us every day of our lives, and we have to continue to ask for that wisdom daily because the wisdom that sustained you in your 20s is not the same wisdom that you'll need in your 30s and definitely not the same wisdom that you need in your 30s 40s, 50s, and on, right? Every season of life requires new and fresh wisdom from God. And so we as God's people, we're invited to be in this habit of daily asking God for wisdom and clarity and insight. And God promises that He will give that wisdom to you. Not necessarily a promise that things will be easy or even clear, but a promise that Christ will be with you in His wisdom as you face those difficult decisions. Now, we don't just ask for wisdom and just wait for it to show up like an Amazon package on the front porch, right? We ask for wisdom, but then God calls us, having asked, to go and to seek that wisdom. That wisdom has been given to you in the Scriptures. And so, we want to spend time with, every day, we want to spend time with the one who is wisdom itself, Christ Jesus. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 that Christ, God's mystery, that in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, that thing that is more precious than than any jewels, right, is Christ. It's hidden in Him, that godly wisdom. And you don't really have to look far for it. It's probably at your shelf at home, right? That Bible that maybe you haven't opened up for a while, it's right there, godly wisdom, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You don't have Jesus in the flesh to teach you, but you do have His words recorded for you in the Scriptures, passed down from age to age so that you would become wise for salvation in them. And I just encourage you as a kind of a new, fresh start to the year, uh, what a great year to to start uh, uh, reading the Scriptures, right? To say that's going to be my daily habit is I'm just going to read those words of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just start in Matthew, get past the genealogy in chapter 1, keep going, chapter 2, chapter 3 onward, and just don't stop. 
Because every time you're encountering the words of Christ, you are encountering the very one who is wisdom. And it will begin to shape the way you make decisions and the way that you face difficulties. And not just the Gospels, but we have a whole entire book recorded for us, um, the Proverbs, God's wisdom. What's really amazing about that Old Testament reading today is that Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God answered that prayer and gave him wisdom, but he didn't just give Solomon wisdom, he actually gave you wisdom in response to Solomon's request. Because Solomon didn't keep that wisdom to himself, he wrote it down into 31 chapters of wisdom we call Proverbs so that you now hold it in your hands and can read it. In fact, an easy way to read the Proverbs in the New Year is to remember there's typically 31 days in a month. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs. Read a chapter a day, right? You could even start with chapter 2 today if you'd like. Godly wisdom is what we need, and it is there, and God calls us to seek it where He has promised it in His Word. But finally, there's another place that we ought to seek wisdom, and not just in the Scriptures, but it's in God's people. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. When you have a difficult decision in your life, you typically don't make that decision yourself. Isn't it true that you'll seek out counsel from somebody? You go out and ask somebody, you know, before you make a big decision, is this wise? And that's good to do. You just need to make sure you have a wise person that's giving you counsel. One of the greatest treasures that we have in the church is the wisdom that we share with one another. Pastor Tim mentioned last week in last Sunday's sermon uh, that we need heroes in the faith. We need those heroes in the faith like St. Stephen the Martyr that we read about in Acts 6 and 7 last week, people who encourage us, who help us to be heroic in our struggles. But we don't just need heroes in the faith, we also need fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters in the faith. That's why the many generations of the church are important, because we need to be able to share godly wisdom with each other. And so an encouragement to you in this new year is to seek out those godly friendships, because it's there that God gives to you the gift of godly wisdom. So people of God, may we ask for wisdom knowing that it is ours for the taking in Christ, and may we seek for that wisdom as it's been given to us in Him as well. Amen.